Good morning, beloved Orangewood. A few things this morning before we begin. First of all, rejoice with me. Rejoice because, again, our God is so faithful to the bride of Christ here at Orangewood. Uh, We don't have all of our numbers completely uh, tabulated yet, but here's what we know. Uh, We're going to be able to have expenses and revenues match. And so thank God for the reality that uh, we're going to be able to... uh, once again, find ourselves in the black and have one of the strongest years of giving we've ever had. So let me say thank you. Thank you for loving your God, loving his bride here at Orangewood and your faithfulness uh, to this bride. Secondly, you may or may not have noticed, uh, this is the early crew, so you probably did. But we uh, are starting this Sunday something a little bit new. Uh, we have asked uh, our friends at Maitland Police Department to come and join us on Sunday mornings to be here, to be a presence with us. And the day and times that we live in, uh, we feel like this is the best thing we can do for our church and our community, uh, just to show that we want to, we love you and uh, are praying for you and want to keep as much as we can uh, this place safe. And so those are the times we live in. So when you see them, it doesn't mean there's anything imminent. It's just the reality is like we've asked their presence here. We've done that also, by the way, for our our school and our preschool, just to be more uh, visible and be here on campus. And we feel such a strong call to be good stewards of all God's given to us. And in that light, uh, this is what we will be doing. So if you see them, uh, say hey to them. Don't avoid them. Uh, encourage them. We told them we had plenty of donuts here, so they all volunteered to show. That was not even nice, Jeff. I was feeling so good. But anyway, all right. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you'll probably open it up right in the middle, if you'll open up to Psalm chapter 1, this morning we're going to begin a little three-week series called Grace Within Reach. God's grace within reach. It's really important for all of us to know that that God, his grace is within reach to all of us. And there's some specific ways that he comes and meets with us. All right. Well, we're about halfway through uh, the month of January, the first month of the year. How are you doing? Uh, How's the year going for you? Uh, Is it what you hoped it would start off to be? And what are your hopes and dreams for this year? It's interesting, uh, one of our former interns, a good friend of mine, is a pastor uh, in Hawaii. Tough calling there, huh? Uh, And he sent a text and he uh, communicated that yesterday, you may have heard this, that Hawaii was under a missile, a ballistic missile warning. I mean, everybody's cell phone goes off at like 8, 10 in the morning that this is not a test. A ballistic missile is uh, forecast for Hawaii. And people are freaking out. I mean, they're leaving their cars on the highway. They don't know what to do. Uh, the PGA has a golf tournament over there. The Sony Open is going on. And it really was disruptive. And about 40 minutes before they came out and said, oh, it was a false alarm. Apparently there was a switch at a station or something happened and a wrong button was pushed. We live in a day when wrong buttons are pushed and all of a sudden you can say, there's a ballistic missile heading your way. Talk about changing your day in a hurry, huh? I mean, I wouldn't imagine that's like a little bit of perspective change of how how should I live my life? Well, we don't have that alert, but I'm gonna ask you the question, God's word calls us to flourish. What are you gonna look to to flourish this year? What needs to happen? What needs to happen in 2018 for you to look back and say, that was a successful year. I flourished. We're going to look at flourishing not according to the American dream, uh, not according to uh, what Wall Street might say or the the, uh, 
uh, Wall Street Journal. We're going to look to God's word and say, what is flourishing for God's people? One of the things we've been talking a lot about recently, and probably ever since I've stood here, is grace. God's amazing grace to sinners like us. A few series ago, we did a thing called the solas. It's a Latin word that looks at our theology of our salvation. We realize that our standing before God, our relationship before God, it's all based on grace. It's grace alone. It's through faith alone. It's in Christ alone. It's according to God's word alone. And it's for the glory of God alone. After that series, we went into the book of Galatians and we called it one gospel, this one good news of of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, that we realize that we're not saved because of keeping the law or religious things. We're saved by God's grace and the work of his son. So this series is going to look at all that grace and say, well, how do we grow in grace? It's interesting, at the end of 2 Peter, it says that we should grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory. So we're going to be looking at these things that God has given us, this grace within reach of all of us. And what this is, grace within reach, let me just come clean and say, it's a fancy title for something that in our tradition, the Reformed tradition, we call means of grace. Means of grace. Now, means of grace doesn't sound nearly as good as grace within reach, right? That's that's what you pay me to do. Make these things sound a little bit fancier. So the means of grace, well, these these are avenues of grace that God has given us for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. For us to basically flourish. God has given us everything we need for godliness, for flourishing. And these are like tangible expressions of of his grace and love for us. And they're so readily available to all of his children. Well, these means, means of grace, we're supposed to go down these avenues frequently. We are supposed to continually travel upon them and, and celebrate them to be a people that helps us grow. There's a Latin phrase that kind of correlates with this. It's quorum Deo, which means in the presence of God. So these are things where we find ourselves uniquely in God's presence, uniquely in the presence of God, and he is growing us to become more like Jesus. So what are these means of grace? What is this grace within reach? Well, typically they'll be seen as these. Prayer, the word of God, the preaching and reading of God's word, and then the sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism. So we had a prayer conference this weekend. Uh, Many of us were able to enjoy that and be reminded of how God uniquely meets with us and calls us to communicate with him. This morning, we're gonna be looking at the word of God, how he uniquely meets us in his word. Uh, Next week, we're gonna look at the Lord's Supper, communion, and we're gonna celebrate that and what that means. And then uh, the end of the month, we're gonna look at baptism. One of the shows that Katie and I continue to, to love and just are amazed at every week and say, man, I just, incredible writing, incredible acting. It's so moving. And I've mentioned before, it's the story or it's the show, This Is Us. Have you seen This Is Us? I mean, if you're not into a, emotionally pulling on your heartstrings, don't watch it. But it's a, it's a pretty incredible story. And I love the storytelling in and of itself. And yet when I watch the story of This Is Us, there's certainly things I could gleam and say, well, that looks a little bit like me, or I wish I was more like that. But it's not really my story. 
We see God's word, we could say, well, this is ultimately the story of, well, this is us. Well, this is a story of him. It's a story of God. It's a story of how God loves us and how God rescues us through the work of his son. So when we talk about a story that really reflects us, well, this is us. And this is what God has given to us. So we need to go to God's word and ask him to to speak to us, to give us the grace to to hear him. And we're going to talk about flourishing this morning. What does it look like according to God's word? And we're going to begin in the Psalms. Psalm chapter 1. And it's going to tell us of how one can flourish. So let's listen to God's word of all the things we do in the worship service. This is going to be the most pure. This is God's word. He wants to speak to each and every one of us, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter your background, your education, your religious knowledge, whatever that may be. God, listen, God wants to talk to you. And he talks to you through his word. Uniquely, creation talks to us. God communicates to us through all things. But this is unique. This is special. So we need to lean in. Let's hear the word of God in Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man, there's an emphasis here. This is the blessed man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the word of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers or he, he flourishes. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us enough to talk to us, to communicate to us, to give us your word in a manner in which we can understand. And oh God, the depth of your love for us, that that word would put on flesh, his name is Jesus, and come and be with us. So we can not only understand, but that we can know and love you and be a part of your family. Father God, we, we look to this passage and we see that there's a difference between those who will flourish and those who will be like chaff and be driven away. What, what an antithesis. What, what a difference between the two. And God, that flourishing comes from you. So God, would you come and do that which only you could do? Would you be pleased in a mysterious way to speak through a broken sinner like me? Would you give us ears to hear your voice? Would you give us minds to understand your word, your story? Would you give us hearts to embrace your love and and even see our place in this story and love it? And God, would you give us feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name as we find our place in your love, your family, your story? Father, things that I say that are wrong or just my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to make all of us more like your beloved son, our beloved savior, Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. 
you want to follow along with me, you're going to find an outline in your bulletin for you. Uh, We have three points, delighting in God's word, meditating on God's word, and flourishing because of God's word. It's interesting, Psalm 1. So Psalm 1 is going to describe to us in God's language of what is called a blessed, a flourishing man or woman. One who that word blessed could be flourishing. It could actually be happy. Asher is the, is the Hebrew word or successful. And it starts off in the negative. It tells us like if you want success, well, here are the things to avoid. This is what this man is not about. And it says it kind of in order. It kind of builds a progression here. You don't, you're not uh, standing in the counsel of the wicked or in the way of sinners or in the seat of scoffers. You see the evil has a way of progressing and, and calling us in to, we're just associating with it and eventually sitting down in the midst of it. Well, I'm not unpacking that. We're going to look at what this godly man is. And the godly man is he's one who he delights in the law of the Lord. He delights in the story of God. He delights in, in God's word. And he, he not only delights in it, well, he, he meditates on it day and night. This interesting word meditate on it. It's like he's, he murmurs it. It's like a cooing of the dove. It even could be translated like the roaring of a lion over its prey. It's something that continually breaks it down, chews on it, meditates on it, thinks about it. And what is he like? Well, this man's like a tree planted by streams of water. It's going to bear fruit. It's going to be enduring, whose leaf is not going to wither. It's going to flourish and prosper. But it says on the opposite side, you have the wicked men and women. Well, they're, they're like chaff. They're empty. They're blown away and they're unstable. Okay, let's dig a little deeper. If that's the contrast, what does it mean to flourish? Well, it begins by saying this, delighting in God's word. Delighting in God's story. This is God's story. Delighting in it being preached. Delighting in it being read delighting in it being studied. It's basically saying that we are delighting in God's story. This is our story. We love it. One of the things I love about Christianity is that reality is it gives us a story about why we are here, why the world is here, who God is and who who we are and what God requires of us. You know, I'm gonna, I was asked to speak at the end of the month to the Maitland Men's Club. It's always one of the biggest challenges for me. You think that those are things people who speak publicly, they love those opportunities. But when I'm given a civic opportunity to speak, it's like, what in the world do I say? All I know is Jesus, you know? I mean, this is the only story I I, want to tell. This is the only story that that I really have any authority or know anything about. But I want to ask them the question, what story are you living Because everybody is living their life according to some story, to some larger, what we call a Uh, meta-narrative. How does your story fit in the grander story of the world? Are you an isolated story where there's no connection or does your story connect? And the one thing I love about God's word is it tells me about the world, why it is a broken place. Well, sin came in this world. Why there is wars and rumors of war? Because this place is cursed. Why it is that, that I am broken and depraved? Because I'm a sinful man. But it tells me about God who loves and can't stop loving. A God who rescues and loves to do it. And a God who does that to his son, Jesus. It tells me about how we can be rescued and how we can be loved. And listen, how he can take you and me and he can make us royalty, a part of his family. 
And it tells about the sacrifice that it took for God for, for him to rescue you and me. It's incredible. So there's this love for the story. This story of 66 books, Genesis to Revelation, that, that comes alive. And listen, if you don't delight in the story of God, you will not read the story of God. If it's a textbook, if it's a chore, if it's something you feel like you have to do, if it's that guilt-driven thing, you're not going to do it. Or you'll do it occasionally and you'll stop. But when you start seeing yourself rightly in the story, and you start loving the story that this is God's word to us, you start loving the story and feeding upon the story. You delight in it. Well, the only way you're going to delight in the story is if you delight in the hero of the story. The story has many stories contained within it. There's many epics, there's many themes, but there's really just one overarching theme of a God who creates everything and restores everything through the work of his son. There's all these different looking heroes, but there's really only one hero. The hero is God's son, Jesus, a promised seed that would come and rescue his people, a promised king that would defeat our enemies, a promise, a promised prophet who would speak to us God's very words, a, prom, a, pro, a promised priest that would make a sacrifice that would take away our sins. And we find out he is the sacrifice. And so when you, when you delight in the story, you delight in the story because this is God's story. But what you're really delighting is like you delight in the hero of the story. And if you delight in the hero of the story, it's like, it's like watching your favorite uh, episode of something and longing for the main character to be present, the one you love. And when you love the champion of the story, Jesus, you, you read it with delight and you can start seeing him. You ask the Holy Spirit, show me where Jesus is and you're going to see him throughout scripture in the Old and New Testaments, through the law, the prophets, the Psalms, the Proverbs. He's in all of it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. As a matter of fact, Jesus would say to some who were walking on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection, who were confused because they thought Jesus was Messiah. And they were confused because he suffered and died. And they didn't understand a Messiah who would suffer, a Messiah who would die. They didn't really understand everything that was told us about in Isaiah throughout the prophets. So what Jesus did with them was so beautiful. I wish I was there. He started with Moses and the law and he went through the prophets and he proves to them all the places that it was necessary that the Christ shall suffer. And he showed them that the whole story, watch this, was about Jesus. And it says their hearts were like fire. They couldn't get enough because they were delighting in the story. They were delighting in the hero of the story. And their eyes were open and someone didn't have to say, well, you gotta have your quiet time. Are you reading through the word? I mean, there was no guilt trip. <laughs> there was no like, you know, hey, something you gotta do like a checklist. It was the delight. It was sweeter than honey. So you love the story because it's God's story. You love the story because the hero of the story, Jesus. And you love the story because you see our part in the story. And according to God's word, you ready for our part? Our part is we're the rescued lover. We're the one that he couldn't stop loving. We're the one that he loved before time began. We're the one who couldn't save themselves, himself or herself. The one who couldn't get themselves ready for, to be loved. The one who in and of themselves is not lovable. But because of the one, the champion who loves us, he, watch this, his love makes us beautiful. It's incredible. His love makes us whole. His love makes us his own. And we see ourselves in the story of helpless, wandering sheep. 
with no hope except from a shepherd who will lay his life down for us. And one who lovingly and willingly does it. Delighting in the word. Delighting in the story. God's word is living and active, the writer of Hebrews would say. It's God's word himself. It's because of this love he has for us. And then we see through this word that this word puts on flesh named Jesus. The word of God and comes and dwells among us. Delighting in the word. The second thing is this. Meditating on God's word. Have we not changed? Well, you may not know if you're younger, but for those of us who are <coughs> 50 or older, um, we know that watching TV has changed. Holy cow. Because back in my day, I remember, I'm sorry to admit this, man, do I feel old. I remember the days of three channels. Anybody else remember like the days of three, four channels? I mean, well, yeah, dang, I remember it. You know, this was like before a thing called a VCR. Uh, this was basically, you had one chance to see a show, and if you missed it, you missed it. It's gone, it's done. I remember as a kid, the biggest challenge was the Christmas shows. When is Charlie Brown on? When is the Grinch on? You know, when am I gonna get these stories? Because guess what, you miss them? Next year, do you get a chance to see them, right? But nowadays, forget that. You got more channels than you know what to do with, and, and, and for, for even channels, Netflix, Hulu, and how do you want to watch your shows? And, and you can record them if you miss them, right? You can, re- you can watch them at your own time. You can record it and, and, you know, things like Netflix. They'll put seasons of things on there for you, right? You can binge. Has anybody binged here with a show? Anybody watch more than one, two, three, four? How many? Do we have a record for how many episodes? You know, maybe that, that might be a little alarming. But I know the reality for Katie and me. We get into a series. We get into a show. And, and guess what happens when you watch it? The next one just loads right up. And if you don't move quickly to get the remote control, guess what? It starts playing. Happened this week. Katie and I were watching a show, Broad Church, a very interesting third season. Uh, and we said, well, it's, it's, we're late. It's, it's late. Let's go to bed. And neither of us were close with the remote control. And the next episode starts. Guess what? We watch the next episode. Well... God's word is accessible to us now today all the time. And it wasn't always. Before the Reformation, it wasn't always. You had to come to church to hear it. And sometimes the church didn't even tell you it. But nowadays we have it. We have it for us. And this is a, a story, a word that we're to be chewing on. We're to be murmuring God's word. We're to be continually uh, feeding upon God's word, ingesting it. It says day and night. Why? Because it will cause us to prosper. It will cause us to grow and to flourish. It tells us who God is and who we are. And listen, meditating on God's word, you only do it if you delight in it. If you only delight in it, it's only if you know that you're placing it and the hero of it. But where I want to spend the majority of the last part of our time is this flourishing because of God's word. It's something we're to delight in or something we're to meditate on. But it says if we do, we flourish. It's interesting let me read to you again uh, Psalm 1-3. He, this, this, uh, this righteous man, this, this one who is a blessed man, this flourishing man, he's like a tree. He's planted by streams of water. I love this fact. It's, he's planted. He didn't plant himself. Something happened to him. Grace has happened in his life. He's been planted. He's been planted in a specific place by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season I love that too because it's saying that there's times in our life that are more fruitful than others. Um, And it's our fruit in its season. And we think of knowing the whole scriptures, the fruit of the spirit, 
Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And I'm not sure if I missed any or not. But that kind of fruit, whose leaf doesn't wither, um, who knows that there's a life given to us that will not go away. And all he does, he prospers. And this is not a prosperity theology saying that if you follow the word, you're going to drive a nicer car and make more money and, and big things. This is flourishing according to God's word. And flourishing according to God's word is quite a bit different than what flourishing looks like according to the American dream. But it basically is going to say this, that you and I, we cannot flourish, we cannot flourish apart from God's word. We can't. Why? Because we've been made in God's image. We've been created for God to know and love him. We reflect him. He's made us, ready for this, for himself. So we can't flourish without him. He's made us to live according to his word. Now, there's a lot of words here, and there's a lot of stories here, and there's even an Old and a New Testament, but I love the fact that there's a cliff note in this. Anybody else remember cliff notes? Am I dating myself again? Cliff notes were the things when the uh, teacher assigned a really large book that you should have read, and you didn't read it all, and you wanted to know, because you're going to be asked, what's the major themes, and who are the major characters? You have this little cheat book called cliff notes that would tell you all the good stuff. You could just kind of go to that one spot. Now, all of it's good. Read them. If you just read just the cliff notes, you'll never understand the depth of it. But Jesus himself kind of gives us cliff notes. It happened, a matter of fact, uh, a couple times during a, a scene where he's being challenged by a religious leader, someone who thought he knew the law. He thought he challenged Jesus, who's the word in flesh. He said, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he'd say, well... It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says something amazingly beautiful, fantastic. And this is the sum. This is basically all of the law and the prophets wrapped into one. You want to know what this word is all about? It's all about love. It's a love story. It's about you and I loving God with everything we have. And watch this. Loving our neighbors. It's a story of, watch this, loving yourself. Not loathing yourself, not beating yourself, loving yourself. You're made in God's image. You are worth God's blood being shed. Loving yourself. He gifted you the way he wanted to gift you. You're human. But loving God, loving your neighbor, loving yourselves. Because why? There's no flourishing without that. There's no flourishing without that. That's how we flourish, by, by knowing God's love and loving him, by loving our neighbors, by properly loving ourselves, by obeying God's word. There's no flourishing apart from it. And some of these challenges, he tells us things like, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh. No flourishing without it. Children, honor your father and mother. There's no flourishing without it. Do all things for the glory of God. There's no flourishing without it. We can never flourish without obeying the word. But the only way for us to obey the word, watch this, this is where it gets really good exciting, is we must abide in the word. It's not just obey, it's abide. And the word of God came in flesh and his name is Jesus. I'm gonna take you to John 15. And we're gonna read... Uh, a good portion of it, the first 17 verses. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples 
It's incredible. It's at the end of his life. Uh, this is after the, that meal they had together. He's told them what's about to happen. Um, hear the words of John 15. He says, I am, another I am statement, the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's basically saying, well, we can't bear fruit. We can't bear fruit unless we're connected to Jesus because he is the true vine. It says this, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. And what a contrast. Bearing much fruit, but apart from Christ, nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. That's like the chaff. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified. That's the reason that we're created to bring him glory, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. What a great story. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you obey, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command, command you, so that you will love one another. You see, the only way we flourish is to abide in the word. And the only way we abide in the word is by the grace of God as we abide in Christ Jesus. We are connected to him. That tree that is planted by the living water, that's us being planted by God's grace in relationship with Jesus. A dear friend of mine, you probably know who this is when I tell you the story, but a dear friend of mine um, has three children, three adopted children, and one of his child uh, is autistic. And a few years ago, they had a very emotional time. He, about the time, I'm going to say about 25 years old, and they went before a judge, and they had him declared. He was declared forever a minor, forever dependent upon the parents. That the hopes and dreams he might have of of what flourishing might look like, of independence might look like, self-supporting might look like, they're all gone. And the reality is, is this child is declared forever a minor, dependent, never be a self-supporting citizen, things that we kind of dream about for our children. But here's what we got to understand. It's very interesting. Flourishing according to God's word is not that we grow more and more independent. Interestingly, Flourishing, according to God's word, as we grow more and more, watch this, dependent on God. 
And we realize that we can do nothing apart from him, it said in John 15, 6. Nothing. And it tells us, Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 13, we can do all things through him. So this growth in grace, this word that calls us to himself, that grows us up. Watch this. It grows us up and it makes us more dependent on the hero of the story. It makes us more in love. It doesn't make us more independent, standing on our own. We also must realize that flourishing will include suffering and persecution. That's the reality of the Christian life. He's, Jesus himself told us, in this world you're going to have trouble, but take, take joy that I've overcome it. He's going to say, anybody who wants to live a godly life, you're going to be persecuted. So flourishing looks different than the American dream. Flourishing looks different than the absence of pain and suffering. Flourishing is going to include the desert at times. Flourishing is going to include emptiness at times and watch him fill it. Flourishing is going to include some things that we never would have chosen in a broken world. But he came to make all things new. And we don't live in the time yet where where sin is completely away from us. He's paid the penalty and power of it, but the presence is still here. The brokenness of the world. We still get texts on our phones. There's a ballistic missile heading your way. We still have to get cops to come to church. So we live in a fallen world. And he is able to take all things and work them together for our good and his glory. But flourishing is going to look sometimes different in his perspective than what you and I are trained as Americans to think flourishing looks like. And God, he, let me remind you of what he calls in, in his word and gives us. I'm going to give you a list of things as we land the plane here about flourishing. Just to remind you that he says, listen, my word will never come back void. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. If you want to just write some of these things down, you may. That God's word is a lamp into our feet. It'll guide us. Psalm 119, 105. God's Word has the power to keep a young man's way pure. Psalm 119.9, one of my favorite, especially as a youth pastor. How does a young man keep his way pure? I mean, I, I, how does a young man keep his way pure these days? Or any man? By living according to your word. That I delight in, I've hidden it in my heart. God's word is sweeter than honey. Psalm 119.103. God's word is pure. Psalm 12.6. God's word is a shield. Psalm 18.30. God's word gives us hope. Psalm 119.41. God's word is living and active and cuts to the bone. Hebrews 4.12. And there's so much more. Delight in it. Meditate on it. Feed upon it. So you can flourish. Interesting. Our theological standing is uh, with this Westminster Confession of Faith. Few men and I are going to be going through that starting this evening. And in the shorter catechism, the first question is asked, and if you've been around Reformed traditions, you know what it asks. It says, What is man's primary purpose, or what is the chief end of man? Basically, what are we here for? And it says this to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever is the answer. We're here for Him, to glorify Him, to enjoy Him. And the next question it asks is, Well, what is our only rule? I mean, what tells us how to do it? What tells us how we're to glorify and enjoy him? It's, it's the word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of. The Old and New Testament is the only rule. It will teach us how to glorify him and enjoy him forever. You see, we were created for God. We were created to hear God's word preached, 
to feed on God's word day and night and live according to God's word and there's no flourishing without it. We can only flourish if we've been connected to the word of God in flesh, Jesus. Delight in the story. Delight in the star of the story. Meditate on it. Flourish. Again, we can only flourish when we realize that this is not like a TV show, This Is Us. This is a reality of This Is Us. This tells us who we are apart from God and who we are in Christ Jesus. It tells us where we've been and it tells us where we're going. It tells us of a hero who will never let us go. It tells us of a land that we all long to see and hear and dance in. It tells us of promises that are gonna be met because of our hero. It's an incredible story that causes us to flourish. And we only flourish by God's grace, by living according to what it tells us to do. How is it with you? What story are you following? Let us pray. Father God, thank you for loving us enough to communicate that to us. You communicate it to us in your creation that even the stars and the moon and the planets and all of the creation pours forth speech day and night. You speak because you're a God who speaks. But God, you've uniquely spoken to us in your word. It's living and active. We thank you for it. But God, how beautifully you've spoken to us through your son. In different ways, in different times, your prophet spoke for you. But in these end times, your son had the last word and dropped the mic. Because no one speaks after the son. And we thank you for that hero. We thank you for that savior. We thank you for the one who has, we can come and abide in him. And as we abide in him, we abide with you, our triune God. And we are nourished and we are fed and we flourish and we can do all things. But God, apart from your son, we can do nothing. Thank you for calling us into this story. And may we bear fruit for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.